everyone and welcome to episode 168 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Lauren. Hi guys. How are we today Lauren? We are doing well. We have snow again but it is not snowing, as yeah. much. Not as extreme. Nowhere no. near as extreme. No but it is very very chilly. It is. But, I want to get snuggly. last time when it snowed we lost all our hot water so that wasn't yeah. particularly fun. And I fun. was immobile so yes. yeah no. We will not relive that again anytime soon at all. So yes I it's a... It's it's winter. Yes. It is winter. It's it is. it's understandable that we would get snow. Um but in terms of Final Fantasy, I think we're doing good. Lauren's plugging through with her Final Fantasy fifteen playthrough. Yep. Thanks to Mr. Han for uh helping me along my quest. Yes. Because, <laughs> um, like really, yeah, I mean I'm playing it again, so I'm just kind of like taking it easy. Um taking it slow, yeah, chilling taking out. Taking it slow, chilling out. But I'm I'm quite a chillax gamer anyway. I just don't I don't stress out about perfection. But it's still nice to have the advice there. Mm-hmm. So today on the episode we're going to be uh I guess we're we're gonna be talking about something that's maybe a bit odd. I don't know. It's uh, an unorthodox topic, I'm going to say, but I've called it the music that drives us. And we're basically going to be running through music that we feel is is inspirational within mm-hmm. the games uh, and that kind of help define them. Um, we've got some interesting choices in there. My own, my choices are probably going to be quite off the wall for some people. <laughs> <laughs> Good job there, Alice. But I, I like to make things interesting. I like mm-hmm. to uh, be a bit of a hipster when it comes to Final Fantasy music. You are very much a hipster when it comes oh, to yeah. music. So much of a hipster. Uh, and then we've got some news. So we've got some new stuff, which is going to be like, it's not really a po- uh, a positive news episode. Like, I feel there's lots of stuff that's happened in the last couple of weeks where people have just been like, really? Yeah. So we'll run through that. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, you need folks who are listening. Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union. And it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. And we have a new show every Tuesday working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union. And we come out on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com. And we're now going to do our shout outs for Patreon supporters, our executive producers, some might say. And this is for everyone who has pledged $2.50 or more per episode. I'm going to kick things off with Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Lewis James. Blue Machine at Blue Machine. Chris Morales. Eric Decker at Choco Taco. Jonathan Gonzalez at... Oh, it's just Johnny. Marcus Karnecki. Josh McNabb. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Massacre 23. Zach Duranto at Zed Duranto 58. William Trengove at Varnish the Azure. Mike. Dustin Smith. Tyson Wildman at Ty Wildman 1. Ishbel Ayala at Red Peppers. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Mario Herker. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail. Mohammed Kayum. Rachel Casterton at Urba Young Ray. Vitanitas. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Zach Porter at Porter Paradox. Miles Ribbons. Richard Holman at Vex Lennon. Rob Porter at Squirty Birdie One. Patrick. And David C. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. In way of announcements, we have actually just conducted an interview with uh, the voice of Noctis, mm. one Ray Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be coming out on iTunes at some point during the week, and it's going to be coming out on the YouTube channel as well. So there's numerous places that you can listen to it if you want to. Hopefully you guys enjoy that. We asked a ton of questions. We had hundreds of questions, literally. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. absolutely insane. And we tried to get in as many as we can. I think we got in about 25 questions in, in total. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty good. Ray had uh, a load of time. So it was really, uh, really kind of him to to 
answer so many questions yeah yeah and yeah it was it was just nice to be able to talk to him and stuff and sort of do interviews again because we haven't yeah, we done haven't, them in ages we haven't done inter- the last interviews we did were with uh libertus and uh, regis obviously john campling and liam mulvey for kingsglaive and uh yeah before that it was uh 13 13 3 lightning returns mm. where we did uh um julie nathanson chocolina and ali hillis again and are you sure it was that or was it type zero it would have been type zero wouldn't it yes you are correct yeah oh, wait, type zero. Mm, yeah no yeah or though we did do one ali hillis interview at mcm because she yeah. was there and we could actually meet her in person which was great type zero yeah type zero would have been 2015 yeah uh yeah yeah, those are the types. It's because I, I don't know how I forgot all those because that was a, that was a, an odd. It's because I was I was looking at the folder and seeing like, the dates of, of when they were done. It's because it was such a blur. I mean, yeah, we that did, was so busy. We did interview pretty much the entire cast of Type Zero. That, that was basically did us out. Like that yeah. basically <laughs> interviewed us out for ages because we were just uh, doing interviews all the time. They were great and they were fun to do, but oh my god, the amount of work. But we did yes. them over like a period of three months, I think. I know. Anyway, um, so actually, we have a request on our, our kind of Patreon chat in the Discord, and um, someone asked us to do a house tour, which we didn't think was that good of an idea because it's not really that interesting a house. <laughs> um, yeah, like we and they'll um, just be baby toys. Yeah, we're we're a we're a normal house. We we're, we're just you yeah. know trying to settle in. I mean, yeah, I, I've been meaning to decorate a bit more, but I just haven't really found the time. No. And so now we're going to move. Instead, we proposed... Well, move rooms, move rooms sorry, move rooms. Not, not houses. Instead, we proposed uh, doing a small chat before we get onto our main podcast about what we what games we've been playing, because we haven't talked about that for a long time. No, we haven't. Catching Lauren by surprise. She didn't know this was coming. No, it's not even in the outline. I'm I know, really right? thrown off. Um, so, weirdly enough, we uh, our gaming habits are, I guess, not traditional anymore. I think we've gone... Unless it's a Final Fantasy game... Um, or I've got given a game for review, which doesn't happen too often these days. It's generally a game that's really old mm-hmm. that we play. Like we're not uh, gamers that are day one editions anymore because we don't know if we're going to have time. Yeah. And so at the moment, I've been going through a really weird patch of um, I was trying to do Metal Gear Solid Five because um, I, I actually had some time. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to play a game that has been sitting on the shelf for a, a, a while now um and also i was inspired by the fact that it was on playstation plus so i was like mm. okay well this is the time this is the time yes they are the um, universe is telling you but then i got dynasty or dynasty warriors 9 to review so i had to stop melga sort of 5 and go on dynasty warriors 9 so yeah and then i i, I got through a way of that and i was like oh, i'm really going to try for the platinum on dynasty warriors 9 and, th- and then after that i'll go back to melga sort of 5 but then um we got uh we started playing knack yeah, because um, it was on PlayStation Plus. It was on PlayStation Plus, it was a really easy game for us to kind of like. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, we like to let Ali uh, just watch us play a little game, and mm. um, it's sometimes it's uh, we've been playing like t- uh, Tricky Towers, which is yeah, Tricky Towers like she loves game, um, and Knack, and I was like, well, it's like a really easy, simple platformer. Yeah. And it got a lot of bad rap when it first came out, which, which I thought really was pretty a shame. harsh. Because it's like an old school platformer. So there's no like checkpoints or anything like that. It's, you just have to get through the game. And mm-hmm. a lot of them, it's very basic. There's only two buttons that you need to play. Press not three, I guess, with circle special moves. Yeah. Um, but it's really, really straightforward. Really, I find it fun. Yeah. 
And I Ali like really it. enjoys the character. Like, really, Ali loves seeing Nat. She makes us draw him all the time. Yeah. On, uh, like, Etch-A-Sketch and paper and stuff. Yeah, no, she likes it. But then on top of that, I mean, we've gotten back into Binding of Isaac, which is fun. Rebirth. Yeah. No, Afterbirth. Afterbirth. Plus. Plus. Um, that game is just, it's just endless. I love it so much. Binding of Isaac is amazing. But, like, yeah, um, continue on your... And then Because there is a bit long list. <laughs> and now, so I managed to finish Knack, and then I was going to go back and try and get the platinum on that. And then then after that, go back to Dynasty Warriors 9, <laughs> and then go back to Metal Sword of 5. But then... Um, I'm now playing playing Attack on Titan two, mm. so I've now I'm now trying to do that one to and then go back to Knack and then go back to New Wars Nine and then go back to Metal Gear Five and also uh, I really want to still play Bloodborne. Mm. There's a lot of games. I mean, we we kind of um we get into habits of things like when we were in our old house, like just before we moved to our first house. We told ourselves, I was pregnant at the time, so we were just like, we're probably not going to have the time to play this as much as we are now. We were going to platinum all of the um, Demons and Dark Souls games. Yep. We platinum Demon Souls. That's as far as we got. Yeah, we didn't get onto <laughs> Dark like, Souls. We wanted, we wanted to play through those, but we just kind of get into sort of phases. I mean, me for the moment... I had never played Mass Effect. I had never played the Mass Effect series. I've always like tried to play the game and then just kind of got distracted and then didn't pick it back up again. But this time I decided that I was really, really, really going to work on getting it done because I just, um, I've always heard good things about Mainly Mass from Effect. me. From everyone. Like, from everyone. From everyone. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's like, it is, it's, it's still good now. Like I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoy. I love how you say good now because yeah, really it was like 13 years ago that Mass Effect came out, which is weird. Yeah. Um, and so I played through that. Um, I also didn't have an Xbox 360. So, I mean, I don't know if it was, I don't, oh, well, it was, it was exclusive the, the at first, the time. Yeah. The first one was exclusive. Yeah. So, um, I I played through Mass Effect 1 and then I played through Mass Effect 2 right after and I really enjoyed both of them. Um I I don't know why it took me so long to get through them. I'm waiting now to play Mass Effect 3. I want to get it on Xbox 360 cuz we don't actually have it on Xbox 360. We only have it on PS3. Yeah. I've got so, a weird thing because of uh, how things used to go with reviews. So I have we bought Mass Effect on the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm um because i I think think you borrowed your first one yeah yeah um and then i got mass effect 2 to review on playstation 3 and then i got mass effect 3 on playstation 3 so i had a little bit of continuity between those two yeah um but then we didn't have mass effect 2 on xbox no we did i had it on both didn't i yeah yeah Yeah. it's really it's a really weird situation yeah it's really complicated but yeah so i just um i've just really been enjoying it and i highly suggest that anybody who hasn't played it before go back and play it um especially if you can get all of them on the same console because i i think it really does make a difference well i mean you were you were seeing uh with mass effect 2 like if you hadn't had the like the 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 cross save Mm. kind of thing um you would have a lot of different experience yeah yeah like whole characters are missing like um they just completely replace characters um depending on what depending on whether or not you imported your save and depending on what you did in the first game. So yeah, I um, I was trying to find, follow a guide on IGN just so that I didn't miss anything. And 
basically, yeah, um, some of the characters that they were talking about, I didn't see. And I was just like, well, I don't see that person, but I see another person who's in the same location. Are they the person that they're, they're talking about? It's like, yeah. And, um, but yeah, no, that was fun. And then on top of that, I've been playing, um, I've been going back to The Sims 4 a little bit. I'm kind of getting in a homey mode. I want to like decorate a lot. And so Sims is a way for me to sort of escape and play, um, interior designer, because I just don't have the time or the willpower to do it to my own house at the moment. <laughs> but, um, and then I did start on Final Fantasy 4 again on Steam, but I haven't gone back to it. And, uh, obviously I did World of Final Fantasy, which I had to put on pause because Final Fantasy 15 came out and people wanted to watch Final Fantasy 15. Um, playing through Final Fantasy 15 again is interesting. I mean, like everybody keeps asking me like how different it is and I just don't see much of a difference between the original and this one at the moment. I I don't really see anything at the moment. So we'll see what happens as I get further into the game. But I am enjoying it. I mean like, you know, it's it just it just is. It's it's an okay game. Like it's 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 good to get through, but um there are other games that I would rather be playing right now. Like, I really want to play Fallout 3 because I played Fallout 4. Yes, you did. But And New yeah. Vegas. You want to play New Vegas? Yeah, I want to play New Vegas. So I'm I'm catching up. I'm I'm getting all the uh, games that so I missed. so many games. Like, I mean, like, there's... There are uh, too many. The new Assassin's Creed Origins that I... It's, it'll be the first... It's the first Assassin's Creed main one I haven't played yet. Um, I really want to, like, play the Just Cause game... Actually, I just did Deus Ex Mankind Divided because that was on PlayStation Plus. So we keep that. talking about playing Horizon as well. Yeah, Horizon's another one. There's been, and, and um, we still haven't played uh, The Last Guardian. Mm, yeah, there's we have a load Lost of games Odyssey. that we've kind of missed. Yeah. Um, just so, because we get busy. Yeah. Anyway, right. So yes. that's enough about what we've been playing. Hopefully, that was fun for you guys. Uh, hopefully, you've been playing similar games as well or other games. Probably other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to go on to our main topic now, which is called the music that drives us. Um, mm-hmm. And we just said then about how crazy it is that Mass Effect came out so long ago. But really, um, we were talking about it before when we were doing the outline and Uematsu left Square Enix 14 years ago now. Which is just crazy. Which it's, it's absolutely nuts. Like That's more than a, a like school career. Yeah. And also you, you think that he was only there for a little bit longer than that. Because, well, in terms of Final Fantasy games, mm-hmm. because there's 1987, 97, like it, he was only, yeah, like there's, there's almost been as many years without him on the franchise as there was with him. Yeah. Which, which is, is also, also weird. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, since he has left, we've had so many composers who have, have come in to try and fill the shoes that he left, which were rather large shoes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'd say that, it's been um, it's been a very different type of style of music that we've kind of had to get used to a bit, and I mm-hmm. think also the fact that they've changed composers means that there hasn't really been a consistent style like we had before. And Uematsu did change his style over time. Like he, as he got in the later games, he started to put more of his own personality into the music. I'd say, uh, yeah. and because he got a wider range of instrumentation that he could use. Um, but you know we've had the likes of Sakamoto on 12 which was then completely different to Aguchi and Matsueda on uh, 10-2 uh, 
uh, Ham Wazi then obviously worked on the 13 trilogy and we've now got Soken on Final Fantasy 14 mm. Shimamura came in for uh, originally versus 13 but ended up being 15 then we've also got Ishimoto who's done uh, Crisis Core Type 0 Dissidia and they've all been supported by other composers as well like uh, Mitsuda uh, did um, sorry Mizuta did uh, uh, 11 and uh, 13-2, Lightning Returns. Then we have Yoshitaka Suzuki, who helps Shimomura out with Final Fantasy 15. But there's also Mitsuto Suzuki. So many. Who worked on Lightning Returns. And that's like not even getting on to all the people that have helped with arrangements mm. and, and a lot of other things. And all the spin-off composers like um, Seiko, um, uh, all the guys who uh, were in the Black Mages have all done loads of stuff. Like there's been so many different composers on it um, yeah and i guess the, the whole point of this topic is that we wanted to run through how these composers have influenced our experiences with the games from the perspective of uh, like really driving us forward with the experience like music that really gets us pumped up to play the game and when you think about a certain game yeah there's like the different things uh like the the softer themes and uh, and uh, other themes like that but there's there's certain themes that really just resonate with a game and when you hear them you're just like yes this is that game <laughs> yeah you know? and there is one that we've we've both excluded from our, we've both got four tracks that we're going to run through yeah um there is one that we've both excluded which i think is perhaps an oversight uh but lauren didn't pick it because you picked another track from the game but i'm going to just say it now as a, okay. as a kind of okay. a general thumb for both of us which okay. is library fatale which yeah i true. think you know is that is probably the best intro track for it any is. game. Yeah. And the cutscene that it worked with as well was just so beast. Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually was thinking about that um, while I was like sort of going through the list. But yeah, no, Liberu Fatali is, is definitely one of the... Yeah, it's just so epic. Um, right, so... Actually, I think it was also one of the first... It may have been the first track that Uematsu wrote with an orchestra. Or mm-hmm. worked with um, Hamaguchi mm-hmm. on the orchestration because I know they did the reunion tracks with Final Fantasy VII, but obviously they were and well, I guess One Winged Angel maybe. Mm. I think he might. Yeah, no. I think Hamaguchi might have worked on One Winged Angel. I'm not sure. But either way, uh, so my first pick in this selection um, is "Blinded by Light" from Final Fantasy XIII, uh, which is by Masashi Hamwazu, um, and for me. That was one of the first tracks, pieces of music that we heard from Final Fantasy XIII uh, and all the promotional work and everything to do that. And I think it was just such a such a classic piece of music. It just epitomizes lightning for mm-hmm. me and everything. Like there, there's such dynamism throughout the track. Like that violin part is just so memorable. Um, it just is such a defining piece of music. And even though it it has featured as the series went on. Um, like there's so many different homages to it throughout the different games, uh, the 13 series. It, but it's just such a like it's a that that violin uh, segment is just it it defines lightning for me. It just yeah. it's such a it's such a powerful powerful piece of music. And whenever I whenever I hear that music, it's just like yeah, this is this is Final Fantasy 13. Like mm. there there are other pieces of music like you could say Fabian Nova Crystallis is a really like emotional piece of music um but for me like that is that if you play that piece of music that is people would just be like yep that's that's the final fantasy 13 series mm-hmm. i just like 
it's weird because I can get sick of like if it, if a song is not particularly to my taste, I can get sick of it quite quickly. Um, like with the Final Fantasy 15 uh, advertisements and stuff, I was getting so sick and tired yeah. of the same songs all the time. I was just like, could you just stop? Could you explore some of the other soundtrack? But the weird thing is, is that with Blinded by Light, I've never been sick of it. Like I could, I could still listen to that track right now and still enjoy it because it's just so, I don't know. It's just so well constructed and so catchy and fun. And um, yeah, I, I love all of the interpretations of it and the other, um, in the other games as well. They just really, they really got a good, a good theme song for that game, essentially. Alright, um, for my first one, um, I chose You Are Not Alone from Final Fantasy IX, um, which obviously plays during a really emotional part for Zidane. It's really lovely by uh, Nobu Uematsu, and um, it just really sort of made you want to fight. Like, it really made you want to keep go- keep on going, even though Zidane was just kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. And like punching everybody. Um, But I just, whenever I hear that song, it resonates so much with Final Fantasy IX because it's it's like powerful, but it still has that sort of folky vibe to it that um, was so sort of synonymous with Final Fantasy IX. I mean, I always think of like that sort of um, uh, Renaissance type, the music stuff. yeah celtic music with final fantasy 9 and it just suited it so well and i think a lot of people do identify with that song yeah i'd say it's one of the definitely easily definitely memorable uh what am i even saying it's where it's it's like it's definitely one of the most memorable tracks from final fantasy 9 yeah uh, it's made I mean, me catch over my words because i'm so excited <laughs> to pick this i mean uh uh oh via oh what was it uh Vama. Flamenco. Yeah, that one is also is also quite. It's like Hunter's Chance as well. Yeah. Like, there are some other ones that kind of like really go, but I think yeah, like you're not alone. It's it's because it has that emotional side of it as well. Mm. Like the the scene that's taking place, if the music wasn't there, it wouldn't be anywhere near as as good as it is. And I think Umatsu did such a good job of really conveying the emotions of everyone in the group, not just to Dan, mm. like everyone else who's trying to like bring him back on board and like obviously he's just going on his massive sulk yep but it just had like i guess the tone of the music it was just it was that nice mix of dark mm-hmm. and like the music as well like you know you had like the the booming bass line and then mm-hmm. you had like the kind of the twangy sitar sound yeah that was playing over the top of it it was just like yeah just it, it wasn't an overly complicated piece but then a lot of umatsu's pieces aren't overly complicated they just strike the right chord to yeah they they somehow managed to tap into an, like an emotional state that you have that just really pulls you into the scene and makes you i guess the thing that he's really good at is is um tying a theme back to a, an experience a place a person and so with this one you know obviously it was the it was an experience that he tied it into it was it wasn't like the the place you're in it wasn't necessarily the fact it was the dan doing it it was the the scene like mm-hmm. he managed to make that scene memorable because of the scene but also the music because of it like yeah c- like how many other scenes can you really think of where it's like 
are you like a, as a placeholder piece of music that plays during just that specific sequence. Yeah. Like Liburo Fatale is another one, I guess, because yeah. it, it happens. But like there's, I don't, I can't really think of many other pieces of music that, that are just so well yeah. suited to like the oath happening. is another one i'd say yeah the oath definitely okay so my <laughs> next track is uh from takara shimoto and it's from type zero yeah yes uh beginning of the end and it's i guess it's a scene that's in a way it's a similar to libro fatale it's like the beginning of the game like really sets it up and um it's just it's a very it's a i guess it's a the piece has lots of different parts to it. It's about like four or five minutes long. But for me, um, it, it does convey the main theme of Type Zero. But it's it's really the, towards the end that it re- it becomes its own thing. Because you have the choir coming in. You've got like a really powerful orchestra. But literally when the piece is ending, you've got like the... It, it, it's like the build up. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're, class- we're here. Yes. We have arrived. Yes. As uh, Ace would say, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, it's like the do 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 do, and then it's you've got so that. Good. Oh! Yeah, I just yeah. I mean, Ishimoto really deserves so much more credit than he's given as far as his soundtracks go, because the themes in Type Zero in general are just so good. I mean, you also have like Tempest Bellum, which is one of my absolute favorites, and like even his work on Dissidia, um, like he's just always been so consistently good. And um, he doesn't really get the recognition that he deserves because, I mean, they don't even... I mean, I understand that Distant Worlds is is very much a Nobu Uematsu show, but, like, oh, if they would play something from Type Zero at a Distant Worlds concert, that would be incredible. I mean, even, like, the Dissidia main theme is, yeah, is such it's a powerful... Yeah, so good. Um, but, yeah, Beginning of the End is just such an awesome track, and... It really sets up the characters so well and what's going on. Um, so yeah, no, I definitely, definitely agree. Um, this next one is, uh, I, it was really hard because like Daryl kept sort of asking me what track I wanted. And I kept like thinking I wanted a track from Final Fantasy VIII, but I kept reading through them and he was just like, are you, are you, are you sure not this one? Are you sure not this one? And I'm just like... Oh, I don't know. I like all of them. They all make me pumped. So I decided to go with uh, Force Your Way, um, which is obviously like one of the boss themes. It's the boss theme, yeah, like the the main boss theme. And it's just so good. I mean, the fact that it just starts off with that like um, piano and it's just so prog rock and I love, 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 love. And by piano, you mean organ. Organ, sorry. Organ, <laughs> piano. They probably used a piano. They both have to keys. They, both they have used keys. a keyboard. They used a keyboard for that, honestly. Um, but I just, I love, like, with the drums as well. They really used the drums in Final Fantasy VIII's, um, uh, in Final Fantasy VIII's battle music. But Force Your Way was just such an awesome tune to listen to while you were fighting these big bosses. It's like, um, like it's just oh it's so good like and there's so many it just keeps on going like when you think that the battle theme has ended it just goes into another section and you're just like oh my god and then it goes into like and you're just like oh this is so good i think you've really hit it on the head because about the prog rock side of things because yeah like i said it was his prog rock fantasy as the games progressed like he got given more 
accessibility to uh, different instrumentation and stuff. And like we've seen with the Earthbound Papas and also the Black Mages that like progressive rock is really his passion. Oh, that is that is like, his that's baby. When he gets to do his own type of music, that is what he wants to do. And Final Fantasy VIII, just like especially Force Your Way, like that is just like the organ in there, the drum, like so the, good. there's like syncopation on the drums and like the guitar riffs and stuff. Like it's just when I'm sure when he was like dreaming about the kind of music he could create, this was one of the ones where he was just like, yes, I, I can finally, I can do what finally I do what I want to do. Yeah, and I think all of the battle themes really sort of uh, the battle themes in eight really speak to that because even. Man with the Machine Gun, the Extreme, they all have those hints of prog rock in them or they just are prog rock. And oh, I just, I love it. And it also really matches with the environment of Final Fantasy VIII as well because it's quite technical. Like it's, um, it, like a lot of the environments are very futuristic and I think it really speaks to that as well. I mean, you have Esther, which is like the most high-tech city ever. Yeah, although the um, music for Esther is just- I know, it's so bad. It's so weird. Boink. I think I used that in a presentation once in school and everybody was just like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, what did, where did you find this music? Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really love Force Your Way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with that. We were, we're, we're going to agree with everything. I know, uh, we're so... We're no, s- you are wrong with your choice. We're, s- we're such a disgusting example of a couple. I know, like, right? We're, just well, we didn't pick any of the same tracks, so no, we didn't. that's our disagreement yeah. right there. Yeah, um, so our <laughs> next track, uh, well, my next track, I should say, is uh, is Hellfire from mm. Final Fantasy XV. It is really good. Keeping up with the modern games. Um, so this was uh, what. So I'm going to use this as a bit of a platform here to to voice something again that happens that maybe that happened that many people maybe aren't aware of. So Yoko Shimomura, rightly so, gets a lot of credit for the Final Fantasy XV soundtrack, but she wasn't the only person that worked on it. Mm-hmm. And Hellfire, which to me is like the best structurally, uh, like it's the best structural track on Final Fantasy XV from a battle perspective. There's like 15 tracks. I know. And you could say like, I, I really love... Um, Hunter Be uh, Hunted is amazing. Uh, Noctis Apocalypsis mm. and like Hunter Be Hunted and stuff. There, there, are other, there are other battle tracks on there, but to me, Hellfire is the one that's the best. It has the most um, emotional involvement. It has the best thematic development. It's just, there's so many layers to it. And also there's so many different phases as you go mm-hmm. through the fight. A bit like Force Your Way, if yeah, anything. And, yeah, and the, the where I'm leading this is that Shimomura did work on that track, but it, it a lot of the work was done by Suzuki, um, Yoshitoko Suzuki, who we mentioned earlier. Um, you He's know, the he one also who did, did Hunter, Hunter Be Hunted, Hunted as well. And, I um, love him. You know, but in a, in a lot of, like, in the credits, for example, Suzuki isn't even mentioned. Like, it's just Shimomura gets all credit for all tracks on the soundtrack. And I think it's really unfair that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like, Hellfire and Hunter Behind It, they're, they're probably my two favorite on the ones on the soundtrack. And they were done by Suzuki mm-hmm. with, like, assistance from Shimomura. But the, the credit for Hellfire is co-composed by Shimomura and Suzuki. And then Suzuki did all the arrangement, like, the touching up and stuff. Because obviously they pulled in themes that Shimomura had used from other places. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, yeah, like, that... There are other tracks that I really love, like Ravis Eterna. Like, there are other battle tracks that I really enjoy, but Hellfire was just, like, it was a, such a strong battle theme at the end of the game. Like, it, and, and as I said, like, it was just, it had such strong thematic development. There's just, like, the, the speed-ups, the slowdowns, the choirs, the orchestra. Like, there's just, it pulling it all together 
you, it's like a six, seven minute track, but you can just listen to it and just mm-hmm. get absorbed into it so easily. I feel like a lot of it does remind me of sort of Ishimoto's work on Type Zero as well with like the choir and the really powerful um, just themes behind it. It really kind of, it did kind of remind me of Type Zero, just that end bit of uh, beginning of the end. Um, but no, I mean, that fight, was probably like it, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if they did choose only one um or two composers to compose Final Fantasy 15 because I think that's one of the things that's kind of that's kind of lack like I think the consistency would have been nice for Final Fantasy 15 if there was a consistent sort of theme I think we probably would have found a lot more themes yeah, that we I liked Yeah there were four or five composers that worked on the game Yeah yeah it was like it was just a mash and I mean, like, that's not to say that the other people were bad. It's just that, like, it would have been nice to have that sort of continued yeah. theme throughout. I guess it's like, you could say the same thing about Ten, mm-hmm. because obviously you had Uematsu, Hamuazu, and Nakano, and you can really tell the difference between the pieces of music they composed. Yeah. Like, Nakano's music is very, like, environmental, it's very incidental, like, there's not too much thematic development it's no. whereas like Uematsu did all like, the character themes and like the summoning like the him of the faith and like the really strong thematic stuff I mean it's good I guess because you're playing to their strengths but like it's also just kind of like oh well I, I would like some consistency okay so this next one is a bit dubious um I say this because I really do love the original version like don't get me wrong but okay so the song that I've chosen is Clash on the Big Bridge, which is obviously a bit Nobu Imatsu, which I love. I love the original version. I think it's great. Um, but the version that I love the most is actually from a form of DLC. No, I, I know, no. Daryl. I know. It's so bad. But yes. Yeah, so um, there's a version of uh, Clash on the Big Bridge that features in the Final Fantasy XIII two uh, Colosseum DLC when you go up against. Although Gilgamesh. technically, technically that is DLC that we approve of. Yeah, it is because it's just an added thing, isn't it? It's an added boss. So this version was rearranged by uh, Hiroyuki Togo, and um, it is just it it just takes it to another level. I mean, there's so many other people who have done like metal versions of Clash on the Big Bridge, which is fine. Like let if you're that's what you're into. That's totally, totally cool. But this version, I just loved so much, especially because they featured the shamsen, which is like just such an amazing instrument. Um, I I love the shamsen, especially when people really like fully go for it with it. Um, it's just such a versatile, versatile traditional Japanese instrument that I just I just am obsessed with, and. Um, yeah, this version of Clash on the Big Bridge is just so cool. It's so cool. I think, you know, Clash on the Big Bridge is... It, it debuted in Final Fantasy V, but it's been rearranged so many times. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, it appeared in Final Fantasy um, mm-hmm. Um They've been numerous orchestral renditions of it. Pretty much whenever they've like, featured Gilgamesh and anything, they're just like, Clash on the Big Bridge, yeah, sit in exactly. there. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's been done so many different times. But yeah, I think this version is, is a very different take on it Mm -hmm. and um i really appreciated it Mm. but yeah definitely if you've never listened to this version go and just youtube it It is so good i think the main thing about the track though is the fact that it has that build up Mm -hmm. like it's the especially this version uh, if you haven't listened to it definitely go and try and check it out um it has a a, i'd say more of a build up 
Um, and then it goes into the classic Clash on the Big Bridge yeah. build up before it then actually goes into the, the main piece. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, so my... Oh, Daryl's. I love to see track. where it's from. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> you have like... such a love. Okay, so my last track, um, if you haven't guessed already, is from Crystal Chronicles. No. Um, and it's by Kumi Tanioka. Uh, and it's called Unite Descent. And um, I know that there's not very many people on here that play Crystal Chronicles that are listening to right now. And if you did play Crystal Chronicles, whether or not you made it to the end of the game is a completely different question entirely. <laughs> um, but for me, like, obviously I played it with a group of friends. Uh, we were all playing with our Game Boy Advances. And when we got to the end of the game, I, I, from what I remember, there's a boss, but then you think it's the boss, but it's not the end boss, but there's another one. Um, and then this, then this track starts up. And it's just like... It starts off with just this kind of like a really soft, passive melody that's just like, oh, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. And then it just suddenly goes like, boom, and like <laughs> just like explodes into this like dark, brooding, like this really low uh, string note that's just continuous with like this like really fast paced drum beat on the top. And then it just kind of plays this really, uh, I guess, like a really uh, like. I guess, I guess dark, yeah, dark melody over the top that's just kind of like do 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 um, And like it, when I was just listening to it to to kind of refresh myself of the of the track before I was, when I was doing the outline, it's just it still gives me the chills now. Like no. I remember just like because it was just one of those fights where, um, yeah, you have some boss themes where like this like force your way where it's everything's going crazy all the time. Mm. It's just mental, and you've got like hellfire where there's just like so many layers of all these different things whereas this track it was just like you have that kind of single note in the in the bass uh, and then you've got like a really small melody and a really strong uh, drum beat and like it was just one of those ones where it's like um like a peaceful a peaceful darkness mm-hmm. if that makes sense i guess so like yeah. it was very it was a very minimal theme but it really because it was so minimal and focused it made you really like really think about what you were doing in that time and how difficult what you were doing was and mm. like the i guess it really um i guess it was like a sense of scale like it, it made you feel like what you were going up against was insurmountable yeah in a weird way i don't know like if that makes any sense kind of i'll have to listen to it really but there was like a nice little chorus bit and stuff in it yeah. but um, yeah, it was just like because it's like the track was so minimal, it just it really made you um, just think. If that makes, I don't know, it's a bit weird, weird way of describing. Well, it, basically, sure. what's going to have to happen is is that once Ali and the new baby are old enough, we're all going to have to invest in our Game Boy, um, or sorry, our uh, we've got a GameCube, a GameCube, and you get four play... Game Boy Advances. Yeah. And we just need three more. We have we have a Game Boy Advance, so we just need three more Game Boy, Game Boy Advances, and then and we're sorted, bro. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, all right. So this last one, last but certainly not least, it's um, a a song that I've always just been obsessed with when it comes to Final Fantasy X. Um, I was really sad about how it was remade. I don't think that it really has the same impact, but uh, Challenge from Final Fantasy X is just so good i mean like it plays it actually plays during multiple um multiple sequences in final fantasy 10 i think one of the first times you hear it is actually when you're fighting the um like weird scorpion creature thing on um 
uh, Meehan Beach, yep. um, Mushroom Mark Road, and um, Operation Meehan is what I'm trying to look for. And um, but it's not as it's not as impactful there as it is when you verse Unalaska, and um, like not only is it leading up, like it does it play in the lead up when everybody's sort of having their moment to sort of threaten. Uh, Unaleska and decide why they're fighting, um, but then now, it carries. Now is your time to choose. Oh, it's so good. Uh, but then it plays during the whole thing, and you just you just feel so pumped when you're listening to this track. I think you know if it, in some ways um, it's a similar track to the one I was just describing because mm. if you think about challenge, there's not really that much to it. It's quite no. a basic track. Yeah, you know, there's just like a, that kind of do do. It's like very ethereal, yeah. Um, but because it's just so minimal, it, mm-hmm. like it really, it really makes you focus on like the, what people are saying in the build up, mm-hmm. and, and then the fight itself, like it, it, it kind it's of mostly about a the drums, bit. yeah, exactly. Like it's like mostly it's, about the drums with that one, and I love it for that. And I'm you've got like the kind of siren in it. Yeah, I'm like a, I'm like a huge fan of, um, of drums. Um, like I, I could never play them myself because I just don't have that hand-eye coordination. But like, I mean, you think about like Rush's YYZ, uh, YYZ. Like, I just love, I love really, really impactful drum music. And like, this was just, oh, this is so good. This is so. That's why you love Whiplash film. I know. I was listening to Caravan the other day while I was editing uh, Ray Chase's interview. I um, oh, so so good. But yeah, I mean, I did think of some other tracks while I was like doing this because I mean, like you think of Seymour Battle and Dark Messenger from Final Fantasy IX. Like, there's so there's so many tracks that are that could be really sort of impactful. Caius's theme. Caius's theme. Oh, there's so many, so many tracks. Which is, a, and I mean, it's quite interesting that you picked mostly tracks that weren't done by Uematsu. I didn't pick any. And even that, even Caius's theme isn't yeah, Uematsu. Showing that, like, I mean, even though people always sort of say how how amazing Uematsu is, and he is amazing. Like, he is a very very talented composer. Um, they haven't managed to completely lose their spark as far as um, the uh, soundtracks go with Final Fantasy. I it's mean, also sure, because I'm a hipster. Yeah, I mean, sure, there are tracks that are a bit like cringe. You're just like, mm, this is not so good. But there's a lot of good stuff still in there. There's a lot of really talented composers still at Square Enix or at least freelancing with Square Enix. And um, I think it's good to bring light to them. It's kind of sad that some of them have left now, like Ishimoto just left, and you sort of think like, oh. But hopefully they. I don't think they have too in. many other composers on their books anymore. Possibly not. I think Mizuta and Soken might be the only ones. Mm. Yoko Shimomura. She, she's never. She's, she's never been, been a part freelancer. Of, she's always been freelance. Always mm. been free. And Hamazu left uh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah it's interesting mm-hmm. uh have you guys enjoyed the discussion though uh feel free to let us know wherever which uh some of your like most impactful tracks ones that get you really g'd up and like psyched for for gaming mm. uh yeah but we're going on some news now mm. we don't have too much news but as i mentioned before in the intro it's kind of like a bit of a yeah news thing so first of all we've got the city nt they announced the first DLC character in the season pass to his vein solidor from final fantasy 12 so there is finally an antagonist from Final yes, Fantasy Twelve. There is. 
My my personal preference would not have been Vane. I would have preferred Sid. Uh, Which but, some people, some other people have said that it would have been interesting. I I just think like he's more of a consistent antagonist in the mm. game, um, and like he has his weapons, his guns, and stuff. And but Sid is being added would be reliant on Balthier being added because yeah. then you've got the the conflict there. Yeah. Um, Vane, obviously, like I mean, there's not really a conflict between him and Vaughn. Like it no. just. There's not really a conflict between Vaughn and anyone. Yeah. But uh, like Himself. he is technically <laughs> uh, he is technically the antagonist of the main antagonist of the game, even though you only fight him once mm-hmm. and he doesn't appear that much, I guess. Yeah, I mean, even Gabranth would have been a more interesting. Well, yeah, choice. I mean, that's that's what people were saying. Like, there were so many people that would have preferred Gabranth, and obviously, Gabranth was an original character. Yeah. Like he was he featured in the original Two D City game. So. Yeah. But I guess maybe they wanted to add some new characters in. I, yeah. I don't know, like because Gabranth fills the antagonist box. There is a lot, like he has a big fan base. I'd say way more than Vane has. But then it but, also just missed the opportunity to have because I think this was. Um, I think the hint that they gave was like um, a a male from um, the later part of the series or something. Yeah. And I think it would have been better. I think if they put in Caius. Like it kind of disappointed me that they that they yeah I, I mean there obviously are up other options that are upcoming. I don't I don't know what their but... plan is, but if they wanted to like really reinvigorate people and get people because like Decid- their momentum of Decidian T is is dying. Yeah, and... which is seen by the fact that it even failed to apparently top the top twenty. Yeah, it didn't appear in the top twenty uh, PlayStation Store charts for the US or EU for either January or February. Which is quite bad, really. Like, I mean, considering what other games are on the market at the moment. Like, obviously, there's there's been a few really big ones that have come out recently. But, like, it's been quite a slow sort of month. Yeah, and, like, I think if they really wanted to... I think we've said this before. Like, they really needed to, to hit things hard, get mm. people re-excited. And, and Vane, it's just been, like, you put up a poll, right? And most people just said they didn't really... They were just kind of like, eh. Yeah. It's like, great, you know... Yeah, not really interested. But yeah, hopefully they they pick it up with another character. Um and also um I mean they've said now that they're going to announce a new character every 2 months. So Yep, so the DLC's going to last through until until February next year, I think these six characters. So we'll have uh I guess May. May will be the next one. No. Is right? uh, no. no, I think it's June. Oh, June. Oh god, so no, it's wait. 3 months. I think it's June, August. October, December, February. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, we have a while until we figure out who the next person is. But yeah, um, next on the list, we have uh, Final Fantasy Explorers Force, which is obviously the mobile version of... Um, it's like well, a, it's a mobile, like, sequel yeah, thingy. Successor. Successor kind of thing. to uh, Final Fantasy Explorers. Um, obviously, like, it's Japan only for the moment, which is what they always do with these games. Um, but... Yeah, they it launched on the fifteenth of March. Do we know anything about how it's doing? I mean, no, no, no. Clue. I haven't actually checked to see if it did launch. That was just when they said it was going That's to launch. That's when they said it was. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, but it's another free to play, um, free to play mobile game. Yeah, um, I mean, typically these games take about a year before they release internationally if they are going to. I know. But, I mean, I'm, like, I'm unsure. If Explorers it will. Didn't did not do, do well. Yeah. It didn't do well. 
I mean, it was a bit of the timing because I think at the time there was some other games that were coming out. It came out like December, I think. Yeah. Like it was a December, January game, I think. I just remember it was really weird. Um, Uh, Okay, so next up we have, uh, I guess it's a Final Fantasy XV story. Like we'd all known that Noctis was going to be, had the time with Tekken 7, but he's now actually been announced as the third DLC character for Tekken 7. And he's going to be available on the 20th of March for around $8, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so he comes with some unique costumes and they've added Hammerhead in as a new stage. But I think most people, I don't, I haven't seen too many people that are just like, yay! No. Most people are just like, why is he in Tekken 7 and not Soul Calibur 6? Because mm-hmm. he has a sword and lots of weapons. Like yeah. That would have been the perfect tie-in for him. Yeah. Like, I why? guess maybe they just wanted to maybe tech and approach them. Maybe well, it's um... the same company. Oh yeah, that's true. That's why, like, it's a bit weird because yeah. they're both made by Namco. Yeah. And Soul Calibur maybe is weapons. Maybe they wanted to big up Tekken instead. Maybe I. I mean, Tekken have been doing like the, the DLC has been adding guest characters. They added someone in from Fatal Fury, I think. Because mm. I think it's but... the only one that doesn't really have it. Does they don't really do dlc characters as much as like other games like you think about mortal kombat and how many tie-ins they have yeah street fighter and you think about soul caliber like it's really it might be that like tekken has been has been well, trying did to the street fighter crossover push push forward they did have the the street fighter push up or connection but obviously like it's not the same as having a character from a very high profile game no as well. I, I think it's just more the fact that they could have Soul Calibur Six would have made so much more sense. Yeah. Uh, they have just announced uh, Geralt. I think it is his mm-hmm. name. I'm not. I haven't played too much of The Witcher. I'm sorry. <laughs> but they've just announced the main character, The Witcher, is going to be coming in Soul Calibur Six. Mm. But again, like it's Soul Cal- The Witcher is a Namco franchise. Yeah. So. Like, uh, yeah. Either way, like that's people have been a bit kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, but it would have made more sense if you'd done this. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And they're also holding a live stream to to run through, I think. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, like a Final Fantasy 15 Tekken live stream, which mm-hmm. I think Tabata and Harada are going to be on. Oh, okay. Uh, and our last story is about changes at the board level. Mm. Um, so Square Enix are making some board level changes. Brayden desperately wanted us to cover this because <laughs> um, Katarze is featured in it. Um, but basically, Square Enix are, kind of like, I guess they're kind of trying to modernize a bit so um some of the guys who uh, have been on the board for a very long time they've been on the board since the merger with square enix and i think they came over from the enix side they're retiring stepping down from the board and uh, matsuda is using this as an opportunity to get some new life in there so i think there's eight or ten new members of the board that are coming into play most of them are from very senior positions within the company so um from a final fantasy perspective Yoshinori Kataze is now on the board, uh, Shinji Hashimoto is now on the board, and Naoki Yoshida is now on the board. Um, so, you know, they obviously have a lot more say. I don't know how it's going to impact what they do on a day-to-day, though, because mm-hmm. obviously Kataze is serving as the producer on the Final Fantasy VII Remake as well, and Mobius. Yoshida works on fourteen. Yeah. Um, and whatever else he's got going on. Yeah, Hashimoto's. And uh, Hashimoto is like the brand manager yeah. for Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy. Yeah. And looks after business division three, I think. Um, so obviously he's got Kingdom Hearts three. It's a big yeah, deal. Yeah, he has a uh, lot of Lots stuff of mobile titles. Way. But they don't seem to be, they don't seem to be shying away from 
giving people lots of responsibilities at once. No. <laughs> they seem to be a company of, here, throw everything at you. Well, yeah, because these guys, are they were already executive officers in the company, and now they're, they're executive officers and board members. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one that I think, well, we we thought was quite was quite nice was mm-hmm. uh, your case, Saito has been made a board member as well. And obviously he's uh, one of the main components behind the Nier franchise reboot. Uh, although I guess that kind of side of things, because um, uh, Saito, he works very closely with Yoko Taro. He was actually, um, um, he actually worked on the first game as a, as a developer, Dragon Guard 1. Um, so it's really, really nice to see him kind of work his way up. And, you know, he, he was one of the main voices behind Nier. Uh, mm. He took a big risk with that game. And, uh, obviously, Nier Automata has proved to be a massive success for them now, and they're looking to make it even more of a franchise. I think Yoko Taro said they're definitely planning to do something for the uh, for the for 2020, which mm-hmm. is uh, I think the 10th anniversary of Nier. Um, so, I guess with Saito in a more prominent position, maybe that means that we'll get to see more of Yoko Taro. Yay! I love Yoko Taro so much. So, and Saito. Yeah, that's pretty much that's this episode. Yay! Lots of music discussions. Yes. Hope you enjoy it. And so our music from this episode, I've I've tried to get it to encompass everything we discussed about in a different theme. Mm. So um, this theme features in pretty much every game. There are some that it does not feature in, though. Mm. Um, But it's the Final Fantasy main theme. It's the one that you always close out at Distant Worlds and everybody's just like, it's going to be Aerith's theme and just like, shut up. Like, it's going to be the Final Fantasy main theme because the Final Fantasy main theme is so superior, especially the Final Fantasy VIII version. That is my favorite. It's so good. uh, So this is arranged by M. Wind, Mm -hmm. and it's like a Celtic version of it, which is quite nice. Yeah. I do love the main theme. It's just, it's just so classic. It makes you cry every time. It does make me cry now. It's really annoying because, yeah, like, I mean, it doesn't even matter what's going on on screen. I'm just like, oh my God, it's the Final Fantasy main theme and I love it so much. Yep. Good acting. Good acting. Yeah. Thank you. Oscar. So our next episode is scheduled to come out on the 3rd of April and uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes so that you get notified when it does. Alternatively, check out our YouTube channel uh, and obviously check out all our news coverage on FinalFantasyNew.com, which is done by Brayden. And if you really enjoy what we do, why not consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. All right, guys, it's time for us to say goodbye. Bye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production. <laughs>